when Andrew discovered the Messiah, he went and found his brother. And he said, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Do you ever think about the fact that after he brought him to Jesus, he kind of stepped into the background and Peter became a driving force for the gospel? Now we know from, from tradition that Andrew was also a martyr. He loved the gospel. He preached the gospel. But his first thing that he did that we read about him in Scripture is bringing someone to Jesus. And if I in my ministry can bring people to Jesus, can bring them face to face with the best of masters who has done so much for me, then my life will be a success regardless of what other things are said about me. As I'm turning to 1 Kings chapter 2, I will let you know where we will be going uh, over the next few minutes. We are looking at some points that David makes to his son Solomon in his final words to him. Now, of course, when David is dying... Uh, there is an attempted mutiny, but David says, I want Solomon to be the king. And so he's preparing Solomon for that responsibility by giving him final words of encouragement and admonishment. And this is a longer passage, but we're just going to focus on the first four verses here. And I want to read them and then open in a word of prayer. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments, and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. That the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the next few minutes, as we open your word together, may we honor you with the thoughts of our hearts and the meditations thereof and the words of our mouth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at uh, these four things, the first one that I want to cover is life is short. So looking at the first two verses once again, now the days of David drew nigh that he should die and he charged Solomon his son saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong therefore 
and show thyself a man. There is not a single one of us who, short of the rapture of the church, will not die and be buried in the ground and have uh, a final uh, resting place for our bodies in a cemetery. And then, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is a great uh, blessing to us. But David is saying here, life is short. He, it's been a long time since he was that shepherd boy that killed Goliath. And he knows that his time is drawing to a close. The picture that is here is the picture that is the reason that he needed the Shunammite woman, Abishag, to keep warm because he has lost all ability to do that. He is not the mighty warrior that we met in 1 Samuel. So he's telling his son that he is, his time is short, but it's time for him to step up and to show himself a man. And I think it's so important for us in this world in which we live to realize that God knew what he was doing when he made men and women. We are made to complement one another we are made to encourage one another and we are made to continue the legacy of godliness through the generations. The Bible says that um, children are the arrows in the hands of a mighty man and happy is he who has his quiver full of them. And I'm thankful for my father who has passed on that lesson of the blessing of children. But Solomon is soon going to be charged with with the whole of the administration of the kingdom of Israel. And it's very important that he be aware first of all of the frailty of life. Because we need to make sure because of the frailty of life that we are making the most of our life and doing what we can for the Lord Jesus. The old hymn says, Give of your best to the Master. Go in the strength of your youth. Clad in the Master's full armor, join in the battle for truth. We need men who will do that. And it starts with fathers who are willing to be that example. Can we look at James 4.14, James 4.14, if someone gets there, a, a gentleman, if they could stand and read it for us, that would be great. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So life is a vapor, and that vapor starts the day you're born. We don't often think about it that way. We don't often think about the day that you start dying is the day that you start living. But ever since what have the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, life, in a sense, is a death sentence. So we need to be aware of that. 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. 
for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. This is, in a sense, another message from a father to a son. This is from Father Paul to Timothy, my own son in the faith. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. And now I'm ready to go home to be with Jesus. Remember in Philippians chapter 1, what did he say? I desire both to be with you and to be with Jesus, which is far better. And then he said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So everything about Paul living was for Christ. And now as he's drawing near to the close of his life, he's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be poured out. And finally, 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, we can be strengthened as we go through this life by grace through Jesus. We can't do this life on our own. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it about as bluntly as you can possibly say it when He said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. That was his message to his disciples. So if we ever start getting to a place where we think that we're doing pretty well, God will do things to remind us that without him, we can do nothing. I once had a friend ask me, he said, why does God use a two by four on me so often? And I said, because we as humans though we are redeemed, do not often do a good job of listening to God's still small voice. So then the two by four has to come out. Found this quote from Defenders of the Christian Faith. You can't control the length of your life, but you can have something to say about the width and depth. Jesus said we can't take thought to add to the days of our life, the hairs on our head, or the height of our stature. I, I've been short all my life. I have a, a, a tall body on order for heaven. We'll see how that works out. But I can't add anything to my life by wishing it so. But I can take the life that God gave me and live it wholeheartedly for Him. What did Paul say? He said, the life that I live, I now live for Christ who loved me and who gave himself for me. May we all have that same drive, especially as we are growing up as men of the faith. May we be thankful for the fathers that we have that have taught us to follow hard after God. Which is my second point. Follow hard after God always. Here's what David says. He says, And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in all His ways, to keep His statutes and His commandments, and His judgment and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all 
that thou doest, and whatsoever and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. So David is laying out a pattern for living a godly life. In Psalm 119, we we read that the psalmist says, Oh, how I love thy law. And he talks about meditating on, on the statutes of the Lord. And David being close to God is perhaps even in his own way quoting the book of Joshua here. What did God say to Joshua before he went into the promised land? He said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and then, and only then, will you have good success. Now we have to make sure that we're defining success correctly because we might not have success as far as the world's concerned. We might not have a six-figure income and a four-stall garage with, with $20,000 vehicles in each one. But God's definition of success and man's definition of success are different. When Andrew discovered the Messiah, he went and found his brother. And he said, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And you ever think about the fact that after he brought him to Jesus, he kind of stepped into the background and Peter became a driving force for the gospel. Now we know from, from tradition that Andrew was also a martyr. He loved the gospel. He preached the gospel. But his first thing that he did that we read about him in Scripture is bringing someone to Jesus. And if I in my ministry can bring people to Jesus, can bring them face to face with the best of masters who has done so much for me, then my life will be a success regardless of what other things are said about me. Because Jesus is all there is. Can we look at Psalm 119, 98 to 100? Psalm 119, 98 to 100. Thou to thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. If you want to be wise, meditating on the Word of God is the way to do it. The Word of God gives us insight into every other part of this life. And so if we will put it before our eyes, we will be wiser than our teachers. We will be able to have answers to life's most important questions and most importantly the one answer Jesus I'm reminded a few years back when uh, Ken Ham debated
Bill Nye the Science Guy at the Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum. I don't remember the location. It's not important. But I just remember thinking about all the times when they talked about a scientific topic and Bill Nye's response was, I don't know. And Ken Ham would always come back with, I know. There was a book written about it 2,000 years ago. We can know. God is a God of guarantees. God is a God of promises. There are still today some sects of Christianity that believe that there's no way for you to know that you have eternal life. But that's not what the Apostle John said. He said, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And it's through the name of Jesus, who is the only begotten Son of the Father, the greatest Father that there ever was. If you do not have a good Father relationship here on earth today, might I introduce you to the Father of the fatherless and ask you to embrace Him. John 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. Very simple, but very profound. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, one of the things that helped me keep me out of trouble throughout my life, and my family will tell you that I was pretty good at getting into trouble, so it didn't always work. But one of the things that kept me out of trouble growing up was thinking, what will my father say if he finds out I did this? And disappointing my father was not worth it. And so if I kept my father's face before me, it helped me to make the right choices. So too with us and our spiritual life, if we keep our father's face before us, we can avoid many pratfalls. Peter was told by the Lord to follow him. Instead of responding, Lord, by thy grace I will, he seems to have been occupied with his fellow disciple John. Lord, and what shall this man do? He inquired. Answering him, our Lord said, What is that to thee? And he added, making it more definitely personal, Follow thou me. Let us not look upon others when we should be looking at our Lord. Whatever the other man may be called to do, and whether he does it or not, is not our business. Though we should seek to help others by example and precept, our business is to follow the Lord for ourselves. No one can follow the Lord for us, and so we need to be aware of that. Our third and final point this morning is that blessing will follow. 1 Kings 2.4, David says that the Lord may continue his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man of the throne of Israel. Now, before I dig into this final verse, I want to make a very important proviso that if you look in the account in Second Samuel, when this promise is made of made to David, there is no uh, exception. It is a flat-out promise. Why? Because God 
is the institutor of the promise, and God is the only one that can keep the promises. David's throne was not established forever because of how great David was. David's throne was established forever because of how great God was. And God's promises are yes and amen. That being said, David is saying here that if you take heed to walk before God in truth with all your heart and with all your soul, then you will have success. Then you will be able to accomplish that which God tells you to do. This reminds me also what Jesus said. When, he, when they said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We can get hung up on any number of major points of doctrine, but if we just remember those two things, we will be on the right path. By way of cross-references, quickly, John chapter 15, 7 and 8. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, and you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus is saying, if we abide in him, we'll ask what we want. And He will give it to us. Now, a very important thing to remember about this is that when you abide in Jesus, He will align your desires to His so that when He gives you what you desire, He's giving you His best. We cannot get this wrong and think that God is just a vending machine and that He's going to give us everything we want just because we ask. Again, some... Uh, sects of Christianity believe this, but it's not accurate. Imagine for a second if my dad, when I was five or six years old, asked me, what do you want for dinner? And I said, ice cream. And he gave me ice cream, and then the next day he said, what do you want for breakfast? And I said, ice cream. And he gave me ice cream. Within the next couple of weeks, I would manifest a lot of, maybe not even that long, I would manifest a lot of bad symptoms. I might even end up in the hospital and be very ill. Why? Because ice cream, while it has its place and while it is delicious, it does not have the nutrients necessary to sustain my life. The Bible says that in Him we live and move and have our being. And if we believe that He is our Father, then we must also believe that He will not give us anything that will harm us. He said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to those who trust Him? Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Matthew six thirty three and 34. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Take therefore no thought for the, for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. God knows what we need before we ask Him. And then, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Do not worry about tomorrow. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. So often I want to ask God for His weekly provision or His yearly itinerary of what He wants me to accomplish. Or what do the next five years look like? Or when will that those big prayers that I've been praying for 20 years, when will they come to be? But I remember my brother Abraham. He was told 25 years beforehand that he would have a son. And when he went back to God and said, well, maybe Eliezer, maybe he can be my heir. God said, no, Abraham. Your heir will come from your loins. My promises are true. And whether you believe it or not right now, your descendants, your direct descendants, will be as many as the sand on the seashore. Just fast forward a couple generations and you see 75 people going into Egypt to save their lives. 430 years later, to the day, I don't know if you notice that the Bible says to the day, But 430 years later, to the day, over a million Israelites left Egypt for the desert. Is God a promise keeper? Or is He not? That's the God that you and I serve. One morning, R.C. Chapman, a devout Christian, was asked how he was feeling. I'm burdened this morning, was his reply. But his happy countenance contradicted his word. So the questioner exclaimed in surprise, Are you really burdened, Mr. Chaplin? Chapman, yes, but it is a wonderful burden. It's an overabundance of blessings for which I cannot find enough time or words to express my gratitude. Seeing the puzzled look on the face of his friend, Chapman added with a smile, I am referring to Psalm 68.19, which fully describes my condition. In that verse, the Father in heaven reminds us that he daily loadeth us with benefits. (laughs) I'm thankful for my earthly father, Michael Gomison, for the benefits that he has loaded into my life. I would not be the man I am today without him. He taught me to study and to love the Word of God. That is something for which I will always be grateful. He taught me that if the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. God makes the truth of His Word plain to those who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm thankful to my Father in Heaven, who when I was a young boy of almost five years old, reached down into my life and said, I want to be your Abba Father. And I'm thankful that on that day, I crossed from death to life. My prayer for you would be that you today would cross from death to life. Nothing is more important. We think about the things that we pursue here on earth. They're not all bad in and of themselves. We need to uh, have, have sustenance. We need to be able to provide for our families. The Bible says that if a man doesn't provide for his own family, he is worse than an infidel. But we also need to realize that God's provisions are the best. The Bible says the blessings of the Lord maketh rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. And the richest blessing you can have is to say, with Abraham, I am a friend of God. And with the Apostle John, I am a son of God. So if that's not you today, may I urge you to find your place where all the ground is level at the foot of the cross and to surrender to Him. It will be the best decision you have ever made. Jesus said it this way, If the Son, therefore, shall set you free, you will be free indeed. And isn't that what we all desire? True freedom. I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ. And I hope that you are as well. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words of admonition from our brother David, who we will one day see, the man after God's own heart. We thank you that even though he was flawed and a failure, your grace did not give up on him. That you did create in him a clean heart, and you did renew a right spirit in him. And we pray the same for us. Lord, I pray that you would bless the remainder of this Father's Day. I pray that you would be with those who are without fathers and are brokenhearted as a result. You told us that you've come to bind up the brokenhearted. And so we trust you to do that. And now we commit the remainder of this meeting and the remainder of this day to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.